0: As hell and i wanna get ill so i go to a place where my chill Bella's out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in six all right everyone welcome back to another episode of the board is hell podcast i'm adam McDonald with big shiny robot
1: and i am andy wilson aka citizen bot also big shiny robot
0: and we have only two movies this week but uh, there're two kind of movies that we've been looking forward to for a long time uh, first we have the penis movie And second, uh, the new James Bond Spectre. But we kind of want to jump into penis really fast. Obviously based on the very famous comic strip by Charles Schultz. I think we all know it from the different uh, Halloween specials. The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, the Christmas special. Uh, Kind of perennial, you know, classics that I think we all enjoyed as children. I know I did. Uh, To this day, the the Thanksgiving one's probably my favorite one where, you know, Charlie Brown makes Thanksgiving dinner with jelly beans and toast. (laughs) Something you know, a kid would come up with, but they were always charming, they were always funny. Personally, the comics towards the end of you know, Charles Schultz's life weren't quite as intriguing or interesting as the old comics, but it was fun nonetheless. So, Penis the Movie uh, actually started uh, production back in 2006 when Charles Schultz's son and grandson really decided they wanted to do a movie, started writing it. So, it's a computer animated movie. It's, it's hard to talk about plot because it's, it's a penis film, <laughs> it's Charlie Brown. And the shenanigans of his friends and Snoopy, you know, Charlie Brown and everyone kind of shuns him. He makes fun of him, calls him a blockhead. So this little, little girl moves and he instantly falls in love with her and, you know, try to do something to, you know, pique her interest and get her to notice him. Uh, and he somehow ends up scoring the highest score anyone's ever gotten on a standardized uh, math test. So we got 100%. So all of a sudden he's popular. He's, you know, everyone's going after him. And wackiness ensues. And, you know, he's Charlie Brown. He's humble. Yeah, uh, he's honest. When it's uh, revealed that he actually wasn't the one who got the score, he actually switched uh, copies of the test by accident. You know, he admits it, much to the chagrin of everyone around him. Snoopy shows up, of course, as the Red Baron uh, fighting the Red Baron. Yeah, it's it's hard to talk about because it's just it's it's everything you expect in a penis film. Um, it's cute, it's charming. There are a couple problems with it, but Andy, what do you think about it?
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's exactly it. I mean, if anything. This movie lacks a little bit of cohesion because it feels like a bunch of Peanuts sketches or three-panel comics put back to back to back to back. Yeah, exactly. In some sort of serialized fashion, which, to be fair, you go back and you watch uh, The Great Pumpkin or It's Christmas, Charlie Brown. There's a lot of that in there, too. So I, I think they really nailed what it is to be the essence of... Peanuts, and on top of that, I mean, you you kind of make a mental checklist of every single thing that you want to see. Uh, there's there's Lucy in her psychiatrist booth. Check. Uh, you want to you want to see Linus in his blanket. Check.
0: You have got um, uh, Charlie Brown playing baseball in the middle of yeah.
1: the <laughs> Exactly. There's there uh, Charlie Brown flying a kite. Check. There there are all of these little things that. You know and you love and they bring it in. So I thought it was really great. Uh, the one major flaw of this movie, and it sticks out like a sore thumb and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Right in the middle of the movie where they have the school dance and suddenly we go from you know the classic Vince Giraldi trio uh, jazz mm-hmm. music and now suddenly we've got Flow Rida and Megan. <laughs> yes, and it's just it. It's not that those songs are bad, but they stick out and they don't belong here. It
0: was kind of and like a fart in church.
1: It. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it's more like a more like someone with an air horn in church. It's like <laughs> take that to the take that to the football stadium and let that off. But yeah, it's it's like what. Um, again, I don't. I don't think they were bad, but it just didn't seem appropriate for what they were doing, and they had so nailed all of this, and then suddenly there was that. However, I am reminded of the very terrible 1980s uh, Snoopy special. Uh, it's Flash Beagle, Charlie Brown. Oh um, God, <laughs> yeah, I
0: forgot about that.
1: Yeah, which had all sorts of horrible. Like '80s disco music in it, but um, uh, the character of Sally was played by uh, the girl who ended up being in the Black Eyed Peas by uh, Fergie. Fergie. Fergie herself. Yeah, so that's a piece of interesting trivia right there. Uh, she was she was Sally in a Peanuts movie. Anyway, uh, but but that's not what. There's a reason we're not still watching. It's Flash Beagle today. But yet, everyone is going to watch. Uh, Everyone just finished watching It's the Great Pumpkin. Mm -hmm. Everyone's going to watch Thanksgiving. Everyone's going to watch Christmas over the next three months. It's because they're classics. The only thing that separates this movie from those classics are repeat viewings and nostalgia. So, you know, as soon as this comes out, it's going to be great for kids, great for adults. Uh, You can turn it on and enjoy it. Um, I, I wasn't so super impressed by it, but I think it's going to age well and it's a great kind of primer and synthesis of everything that Peanuts was and is.
0: Yeah th- I mean this movie really relies on and I would say exists due to our nostalgia I mean because in you know, our parents nostalgia and maybe you know their grandparents you know however far back that kind of goes, um, it was interesting that the when I went and saw it today I actually went and saw it um, you know public screening because I had to work um, tons of kids course and i expect that the kids were getting bored i mean they were kind of crawling all over the place being restless um i was having a good time and the other adults were but you mentioned how there's almost like a checklist of what we're looking to see it's like you know the no dogs allowed yep. um, and god uh, yeah it was you know, like to the baseball field um everything else we've grown to expect in these in these penis cartoons and peanuts moments um that yeah it was it felt like it existed only for nostalgia i'm not so sure that i would have would have wanted them to go a different way and tell a totally new story that didn't pay homage to what came before. Um, because I think, like Alvin the Chipmunks and other quote unquote kids' movies, have tried to do that, uh, the Smurfs, and failed miserably and delivered a movie that, wasn't, that was unbearable to watch. But yeah, it, just, it, it felt like just a bunch of little vignettes put together instead of more of a cohesive movie. Uh, the, the one thing that stood out that really annoyed me, I'm a huge Snoopy fan. I love Snoopy, I love Woodstock. They're my favorite characters in the Penis universe. I love when he fights the Red Baron, but there was so much Red Baron. It almost felt like they they threw it in there to make an already short movie just that, that little bit longer to get to that like what is it hour and a half running time, whatever it is. Yeah, one or two scenes would have been fine, but I mean we're talking about 15, 20 minutes of this movie is probably watching him fight the Red Baron and try to rescue Fifi, uh, which again is cool if that was the focus of the movie, but it wasn't. So I, don't know, I I liked it a lot. I think there's a lot of charm there, a lot of nostalgia. I think parents are going to enjoy it more than their kids will for right now, but like you said, I think it's going to age well. And when it comes out on DVD and Blu-ray and becomes a you know traditional, hey, maybe it's you know it's wintertime, Christmas time, you know, let's watch you know the Peanuts movie. Uh, it'll definitely get a bigger audience then. And the kids growing up with it now um, will be us in you know twenty thirty years. So I gave it a seven out of ten. I wasn't thoroughly impressed, uh, but it was a cute movie. It was charming. It did what it wanted to do, um, and I wasn't bored.
1: So that's, a, that's exactly where I am. I, I said seven and a half out of 10. It It's a peanuts movie. And it, that's really both the best and worst thing that you can say about it. Not instantly classic or, or anything, but it is what it purports to be. And considering how terrible this could have been.
0: Oh, easily, easily. I, mean, I was worried when I first heard about this movie and I was like, Oh hell no, this is going to be horrible. And then this trailer, you know, won me over because it sounded felt like the classic penis, which I fell in love with. But yeah, there was the fact that it turned out any good at all. is just is astounding almost.
1: and it, it comes out of a studio known for being kind of up and down. Uh, they made the Rio films, which were not as good, but they made the ice age movies, which were a little better. So, you know, th- this is probably the best of their outings. in in my opinion, speaking of which,
0: did they have the scratch short in front of the, uh, in front of your screening?
1: No, they did not. Was there a scratch short?
0: Yeah, scratch. Uh, in case for anyone doesn't know, is it's the uh, the little uh, rodent trying to get the nut from the Ice Age series, uh, and he's trying to go bury the nut somewhere, and discovers a spaceship, and goes into space, and basically like causes havoc and creates the planets and stuff. It's not good. I was so like, oh my god, this is this shows why. Pixar and Disney are so brilliant at what they do um, with their shorts, like, you know, the Lava One um, and everything else they've done is that they tell an engaging story that, you know, actually has emotion behind it, like Feast, which won uh, the best animated short last year. To this day, I I, I cry my eyes out when I say that. I don't know what it is. Just it hits me somehow. And it's because it's, it's, it's so brilliant. This was just so dumb. And I sat there and just felt my IQ dropping. And I was... <laughs> I think I enjoyed Peanuts a little bit more because it was, the opening short was that bad. So if you go see it, try to ignore it. Just show up late so you don't have to watch it.
1: We'll talk about getting, a, you know, talk about a synthesis of everything that's come before um, the the short that played before Frozen, Get a Horse. Uh, oh, or, brilliant. Yeah, really brilliant. And, and brought together and melded both that classic uh, Steamboat Willie era Mickey with modern sensibilities as they even literally expand the screen and colorize everything and and make use of the 3d really a lot of fun um nothing quite so innovative in the disney movie but um you know they were definitely trying to do that speaking of amalgams and throwbacks (laughs) to previous movies. Look at that segue. (laughs) Uh, We have the newest James Bond movie, the 24th in the James Bond franchise, Spectre. Uh, We have Daniel Craig returning as James Bond. And we also have Sam Mendes returning as director of this. He directed Skyfall. Which is
0: amazing.
1: It's one of my favorite Bond movies. And this movie literally picks up right after the end of Skyfall. In fact, uh, in a very early scene in the movie, uh, Bond is handed an envelope of personal effects that they were recovered from uh, the Skyfall site. And mm-hmm. you can see... Uh, it's actually a plot point. Uh, the the old MI6 building uh, sitting there on the Thames uh, still, still bombed out. So uh, this is probably within weeks of the events of Skyfall. And Bond is back on the hunt, trying to figure out exactly what's going on. He's he's picked up a, a scent, he's picked up a trail, and it seems like there are threads that have tied all of the tragedies of the last few years together. And so he starts pulling on these threads. And opening in Mexico City with, one of the most beautiful shots, not only in any Bond film, but in any recent action film. Uh, a, a continuous, no-cut shot going through the streets of Mexico City as Bond finds and hunts his target.
0: Oh yeah, it's, it's gorgeous. It's,
1: it's the best shot I've seen in a movie in a long time. It's it's absolutely amazing. It, Not it's since like, I say
0: Birdman, last year was the last time I saw a shot like that.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking. It's like Sam Mendes saw Birdman. and He's like, ah, oh, I can do something. Let's like do
0: that. that.
1: <laughs> so uh, it, it it was great. It really built up the tension in this scene, and it it gets to the point where I was sitting there yelling at the screen like, going, well, cut, cut <laughs> cut! You got to break this tension." Stop. I got to see something else. You're you're killing me here, um, and then the movie kind of um, becomes less artful after that. We'll we'll come back to that. Uh, amazing opening sequence in Mexico City, uh, but because of this, um, Bond is still out on the trail, and he is uh, purpo- uh, he's thrown into worldwide events and is trying to track down. Uh, the people behind what happened in Mexico city at at the same time, uh, what's happening back in the home office is everything is getting revamped. Uh, M is under a lot of pressure. They are taking MI six, uh, the international secret service and MI five, the domestic service. They're going to put them together. And, uh, Andrew Scott, who. Uh, you may have seen as Moriarty in the BBC Sherlock.
0: Which you should uh, have,
1: those, by yeah, the way. <laughs> he's great. Uh, he's playing a new government operative uh, called C, who uh, is overtaking all of this, and um, he's decided he's going to scrap the O program. It's uh, a relic of an ancient time, and we should be focusing on surveillance and drones. Oh, and and he's working to get together with the other uh, 12 most developed countries in the world and pool all of their intelligence data into a giant computer system and spy on everyone as all of the world's governments. Yeah, that's not a problem at all.
0: No, no, no nothing reflecting real life or anything at all. Like, we're <coughs> Snowden. Um,
1: yeah. So... Uh, so it's very interesting. Bond is kind of racing against the clock, and there's this ideological tension about, you know, Bond working as essentially an assassin spy uh, versus modern intelligence gathering and and what works and what doesn't. Um, so, so there's some thought and some art in this, but I think that it... Uh, Where it is most strong is me coming into this as a huge Bond fan. Uh, If you go back and look at Big Shiny Robot, Brian Young and I, uh, right before Skyfall came out, we watched every single Bond movie in the space of a month and reviewed them all. Uh, This is, to me, right below Star Wars, Marvel, Star Trek uh, in terms of franchises that I care a lot about. And they just sprinkled so many references to other movies throughout this, and I don't know how much of that you were picking up on Adam, but it um, was. I
0: picked up, I picked up a lot of it. Uh, I and we'll talk about this later when I kind of got into James Bond really heavily. It was during the Pierce Brosnan series, uh, and then of course I've seen all the Daniel Craig ones. Uh, Daniel Craig's my favorite James Bond, kind of classic for some, but. I think he just, he's a much more developed actor and just really nails the part of what it means to be James Bond. So yeah, I did catch a lot of the hints. Uh, that being said, I've seen all the James Bonds like going up to be on you know, I think TNT every single, every single holiday does a, a James Bond marathon, it seems. But I've never actually sat down and watched them all the way through like you and Brian had. So I'm sure there's little tidbits and morsels of stuff that you got that I just went over my head because I just wasn't as familiar with it as you are.
1: Well, what this really felt like, though, was a giant homage to uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service um, with a little bit of From Russia with Love uh, and a sprinkling of, like, the man with the golden gun and and a couple of other just here and there little morsels, um, lots of stuff that screamed out to me, this is classic Bond Uh, In much the same way that Casino Royale tried to revitalize this franchise and and revamp it for the modern age. And Skyfall did a kind of reverse retcon uh, origin story uh, to do kind of the the bond begins uh, sort of story. Um, This fits into that same mold, but is not as successful as those two films. Um, it's not that it's weighted down by any of these homages or fan service, uh, but it is, it's is—it's not as clever or able to deliver them satisfactorily as it was in those previous outings. So I was mostly overall very satisfied with it, but not, uh, not raving the same way I was after I'd seen Skyfall, after I'd seen Casino Royale.
0: One thing I'll say really fast is if you haven't seen the film, stay as far away from the Wikipedia page as possible. I'm just on there trying to look up cast notes and everything, and it just spoils the whole movie. I mean, like crazy, like even just in the cast notes. So if you haven't seen it, there are some cool twists and turns, so, you know, stay away from there. And we haven't even mentioned yet, you know, Christoph Waltz, who's playing Franz Overhauser, who is essentially the, the shadowy figure behind Spectre. And I can't remember the exact word he uses. And I'm not going to go into spoiler territory, but
1: um, he was... He says, I am the author of all your pain.
0: Right, exactly. That's what he does. So it's trying to really tie together, especially the recent Bond films from Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and Skyfall, into one big, gigantic, you know, uh, basically climax to the whole series. And whether or not Daniel Craig does more Bonds, I think he's contractually obligated to at least one or two more... Uh, this one does end in a way that if they go to someone new, uh, it definitely leaves it with a you know, a denouement that is isn't that is satisfying. I think my biggest problem, though, with this movie is it's twofold. And I was trying not to compare it to Skyfall, which is my favorite bomb movie of all time. Um, but it's almost impossible because it's the same group of people, same director, um, who pulled off such amazing heights in that movie, that this felt like a letdown. Not that the movie is bad by any means, Um, but we've had so much good stuff come before. It just pales in comparison. And speaking of paling in comparison, uh, this has been the year of spy movies. I mean, we've had Kingsman spy mission impossible man from uncle bridge of spies. And now this, uh, if all those movies were fantastic in different ways, shapes or form. I mean, spy obviously was very much a comedy. Uh, Kingsman was one of, one of my, you know, top three movies of the year so far. Um, I mean, they're all just fantastic movies and they're well done. Uh, Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, with the Syndicate, did the shadowy organization that had its fingers and everything and was, you know, pulling the puppet strings from the background uh, infinitely better than Spectre did. I mean, Spectre, they talk about it. There's a little group meeting. But you don't get the feeling that they're this all powerful, conniving, evil organization that's driving, you know, terror and horror across the country and across the world like you did with the Syndicate. Uh, I think that's kind of a, a missed opportunity because, you know, you name the movie Spectre off this whole outside organization, and then they're not even really using it. Um, I don't know. It just, it just felt like there was so much lacking. Like it was all the, the, the plot points and the plot twists were telegraphed so early. I could almost say the lines along with the actors as they were saying them. Um, there was no surprise. There was no. I don't know, it was very mediocre and as, as much of that saddened me because like you said the opening shot with that long tracking scene in Mexico is just absolutely fantastic and really set my hopes hopes up for this movie um but yeah they yeah just everything felt wasted Christoph Waltz didn't really get to do too much stuff as the bad guy and then they gave him that really weird scar to make him look like a traditional Bond villain and that was just felt empty uh, Dave Bautista could have been a cool character um you uh, Drax from Guardians of the Galaxy he felt wasted um I don't know. I I don't know what was going through their heads when they're, you know writing this film, but it just it comes nowhere near as good as what's come before and just ended up being really lackluster for me.
1: Yeah, well what I think what they were trying to do was they were trying to mirror that old that old sense of bond and bring it back to, you know, that that Donald Pleasant, Doctor Evil character and uh the, the same with Dave Bautista. They were trying to go back to Jaws. They were trying to go back to Odd Job, the the strong, silent type character who uh, just kills lots of people and gets the job done and is menacing.
0: Well, no, uh, and I, I got that. I, I understood what they were doing with that. But when they introduced his character at the Spectre meeting, they, they make him seem like he's going to be a, a much bigger threat than he becomes. I mean, okay. uh, you know, Jaws, uh, Oddball, and all those you know those kind of henchmen type characters were bigger parts of their movies, and were menacing. I mean, Dave Bautista, yeah, he's a big dude, and he, he takes punches, uh, but the fact that, you know, he's, he disappears halfway to two-thirds of the way through the movie, and you never see him again, it, it, again, wasted opportunity would be this phrase that seems to sum up everything that happened in this movie.
1: No, completely. and And they just didn't put enough into these characters. It's like, they said, oh, well, that's the off-brand version of of Donald Pleasant, so that's good enough. Yeah. That's the off brand version of of Jaws. So that that'll work. That's that's what we wanted. Uh I think they were maybe a little bit rushed by trying to get this out. This this script actually leaked in the Sony hack.
0: Oh, and, that's right, yeah.
1: Uh, so I've had this movie spoiled for me for quite a long time because I couldn't stop myself from looking at it. And um that script had a ton of problems uh, that they actually fixed a lot of um, before it got to here. Um, but they still didn't fix all of them. And there were, there were still quite a few problems that that showed even in that original draft that I think if they had taken more time and more thought, they could have been able to figure it out. On top of that, Mendes is such a great visual director... And you look at Road to Perdition or American Beauty or Skyfall and you see these beautiful visual flourishes. And I feel like he took all of his time and his talent and focused it on that first 15 minutes mm-hmm. and then just kind of gave up. And he said, OK, I I, I did it. Um, now we're just going to point the camera at people and shoot the rest of the movie. And I don't care. We're we just we're just going to shoot the rest of this. It it. Like, he he puts the scenes together well, but it's more workmanlike than it is really amazingly artistic. Mm -hmm. And and that was disappointing because, uh, again, that first part showed so much promise. And the source material that they were just outright stealing from has so much more emotional impact... And they just pulled their punches on this. Yeah. Um, when when I was talking with uh, with Brian Young about this, he said it's on Her Majesty's Secret Service, but they pull every single emotional punch. And I'm like, yes, that is exactly what this movie is.
0: Yeah. So I mean, the, yeah, like I said wasted opportunity is my is my final thoughts about this movie. I'm only at a five out of ten. Um, I will give you credit for a couple things though. Uh, actually, the Bond girls, Mister, kind of fun because. Uh, Monica Bellucci, uh, she's not really so much a, bon, a Bond girl in this, but she is a character that he ends up, you know, betting. Um, she is the first quote-unquote Bond girl to be over fifty, so it was kind of cool to see a more a, a mature woman in that role. Um, and then the traditional Bond girl, Dr. Madeleine Swan who's played by Leia Sado, uh, she was cool because they let her be a badass. You know, she wasn't the typical "oh, woe is me, come save me, Mister Bond." I mean, she, you know, she knew how to handle a gun and took care of things and. So it was kind of fun to have a very different, um, you know, a much more different Bond girl than we're used to seeing in the past.
1: And and there was definitely, they played with the formula and they made it clear that there was some emotional connection between the two of them, which is not something that has happened to Bond since Vesper Lind in... Uh, in Casino Royale yeah. and in the entirety of the rest of the movies um, with the exception of On Her Majesty's Secret Service for those who have seen that uh, which is why I keep going back to comparisons to this because like that um, Diana Rigg as the Countess Tracy in uh, in that movie is the only other Bond girl who is Bond's equal and so uh, there. There is a lot of that, um, but it'll lack it lacks some of the emotional depth um, that 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 film did with with how they actually played with it. There, but those scenes, um, those torture scenes near the end of the film, I think you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, won't give it away, but um, oh, that had
0: me cringing, and I I was a pre med major, so I've seen my like, fair share of stuff. But there's ugh.
1: But the, where the entire purpose of the torture is to try and turn Bond into uh, someone who doesn't remember and an unfeeling monster and yet he still hangs on to this memory of her. Like that is a that's a that's a nice turn and a nice um, emotional piece. And maybe maybe Bond is not just a, the brute that we think that he is. Um, although, I do have to say with um, Monica Bellucci, um, I've never seen someone go from uh, from abject hating someone to taking her <laughs> so quickly. Like, <laughs> man, man, that... Oh, Daniel Craig, you are magic.
0: No, it was the whole, like, okay, we're going to have James Bond sow some emotion later on, so we'll we'll make up for it with this scene.
1: <laughs> wow, that was... That that scene was hot, and uh, yeah, um, I mean, I obviously like Monica Bellucci more than Daniel Craig, but I I get why people like the Daniel Craig. He uh, <laughs> that is that is some some good seducing right there, James Bond. Good job.
0: So where are you at with this one? Uh,
1: I like it a lot better than you, I think, because of a lot of uh, what what they threw in with the Bond. Um, so I'm at 7.5 out of 10. I really liked it. Not as much as Skyfall. Not as much as Casino Royale. Not as much as On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Or five other Bond movies I could name for you. Um, which is where we're going next, I think.
0: Yeah, so uh, before you know, uh, before we went and saw Bond, we were thinking about a recommendation for this week. And the, the obvious answer was, what's your favorite James Bond movie? Uh, I think we both... Had the same answer, so I let you take Skyfall. Is that what you you're going with?
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll talk. I'll talk about Skyfall because I think I've talked about Honor, Majesty's Secret Service long enough.
0: Yeah. So, so he he's gonna talk about that in a second because um, again, that is my favorite. But I actually went with Goldeneye, um, which was the first of the Pierce Brosnan James Bonds that back in I think 1995. I want to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, the reason why I got really into James Bond and very obvious this film, was uh, the James Bond GoldenEye N64 game came out on my birthday. And I just got a birthday money, so I was the only kid in my whole school to have it, and I played the hell out of that game. I mean, and I didn't actually see the movie until months later, and then I ended up watching the movie, you know, religiously, like every single day after school for two months. Uh, It's not the most perfect James Bond movie, but it's one that lives in my memory as being one of my favorites, because everything about it is just a lot of fun. Pierce Brosnan was a completely different take on James Bond than what we were used to. Um, definitely different than Roger Moore. Um, <clears throat> you know, lazy and be everyone else. Um, he was very much more of the suave, sophisticated spy. Uh, we got to see Sean Bean uh, as 006, and then eventually the uh, the bad guy, Yannis. And so that was the first time I got to see him, and then now I've kind of followed his career since then. Uh, Dan K. Jansen was really fun as Zenya Onatop, who is the kind of the femme fatale, the anti-James Bond, who likes to kill men with by squeezing them with her thighs and then she enjoys herself very thoroughly <laughs> we'll just say um, so that was really you know she's there before she was Jean Grey or anything with X-Men uh, Judy Dench kicked off her role as M in this movie uh, she went through and did uh, was it seven or eight James, um, James Bond's she was M
1: uh, let me see if I can count them up
0: yeah so um, seven or eight something like that but yeah it was, just, it, was it was a lot of fun there's a lot of really cool uh, The cast is really well done. Um, The story's a lot of fun. It was, you know, kind of the uh, invention in films of using EMPs as a weapon of mass destruction. Obviously very false, and the way it's presented wouldn't actually take place that way in real life as we've seen nowadays. But, yeah, it just, it was a James Bond that wasn't afraid to have fun, be over the top, have a tank, drive through the middle of Moscow, um, and then finish on a skyhook, fighting to death, on a ladder, you know, over you know, over nothing, pretty much. So, if you haven't watched it recently, go back check it out again. If you've never seen it, because maybe you're not a huge Pierce Brosnan fan. I know my mom hates him and will never see movies in because of his role in Mrs. Doubtfire because she hated him so much in that movie. Oh yeah, she hates Pierce Brosnan. But this is fun. This is for me what James Bond's supposed to be about. And um, as much as the newer movies with Daniel Craig became grittier. And uh, more sophisticated, this was kind of your Saturday morning cartoon, James Bond, where it was a lot more fun. You sit there eating cereal, watching it, and just have a good time with your friends.
1: Yeah, you know, you mentioned that this was your first James Bond. It was actually my first one, too, or at least the first one that I paid attention to. Funny story, the first movie I ever remember seeing in a theater was actually Never Say Never Again. Uh, the, the rogue Sean Connery. Bond remake of Thunderball mm-hmm. uh, in uh, 1982, 1983. Uh, my parents swear that they took me to go see Return of the Jedi. I don't remember it, but I do remember Never Say Never Again. I mm-hmm. uh, don't remember it that well. But the first Bond movie I ever actually paid attention to uh, was GoldenEye. And uh, really got me into... The whole franchise and everything so that was kind of my starting point so um, it's kind of like Doctor Who whoever your first doctor is they're mm-hmm. all that means the most to you so uh, Pierce Brosnan is always going to have a special place in my heart
0: yeah and um, yeah, personally like, I, I love this one um, Daniel Craig is my favorite James Bond uh, I don't care if it's blasphemy say what you want um, but I just love that Pierce Brosnan has such a totally different take on the character uh, the one we've seen before
1: yeah, well, you know, I don't think it's blasphemy anymore to say that Daniel Craig is the best Bond. I mean, every people really want to remember Sean Connery, but you go back and you watch, you only live twice or uh, Diamonds Are Forever, and you forget how silly and ridiculous those movies went um, towards the end, and you you only remember the good parts of Doctor No and Goldfinger, mm-hmm. um, but one of the reasons I like Daniel Craig so much is because of Skyfall and this, I, as I mentioned, it feels like the, the Batman begins of, uh, the bond franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, the movie starts off with this great, amazing, uh, train sequence or the train sequence and the, the chase, uh, through, um, through Istanbul on top of rooftops, uh, lots of fun. He's got a crane on the train, and he's trying to yeah. Rid- mm-hmm. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The rid- ridiculous levels of Bond stunts in this, and then, um, and then a fresh agent Eve is supposed to take the shot and take down the guy that that Bond is tussling with on top of the train and she misses and shoots Bond, and he's presumed dead. And so he gets a chance to go away and um, kind of think about his life and where he's come from. And and when he comes back, he's a little bit gun-shy. He's not really ready, and he is really not ready for all of the things that they're about to throw at him. Um, in, in my mind, uh, Javier Bardem's character might be the greatest Bond villain of all time. Uh, He's a lot like Sean Bean's character in that they're both former MI6 agents Mm -hmm. and have that grudge against the agency. And I think that's always a great place to start and a great mirror for Bond, but he is also insane. Um, It's really great, uh, but the thing that really gets me the most about skyfall is the visuals now i'm gonna cop to something the first review that i wrote of skyfall after we'd gone through all of the bond movies and whatever i was a little bit unimpressed with it and here's why i watched a screener on a tiny little laptop screen (laughs) uh, via the internet um in my in my grandfather's house in california with very slow internet so it kept buffering and so on and so forth was not a great movie watching experience and I didn't I couldn't see the way that Mendes had put this film together. Those shots when they're in uh, China uh, where they're up in the skyscrapers and all, the, all of the lighting is just the neon coming from the buildings around them. It's phenomenal and it looks so cool and every single place that they go to um it's got a different style it's got a different look and and he just knocks it out of the park in terms of visual flares and and i loved it and then you end with that that final major action sequence and Albert Finney shows up and almost steals the movie out from under everyone else. Uh, and, you know, as, as the bad guys are um, coming through the Skyfall compound, uh, he shoots one with a shotgun and is like, Welcome to Scotland! <laughs> it's just, it's so good. And then uh, it's emotional and heartfelt at the end. And there's a strange kind of Oedipal relationship Well, there's definitely an Oedipal relationship between, um, M and Javier Bardem, which is super creepy. Um, but there is a motherly relationship, um, between her and Bond, um, that is really touching and he really seems to care. So I think it's too bad we didn't get more of that payoff in Spectre, um, because of all of the people that he's lost uh he he definitely cares that he lost them he cares that he lost Vesper berlin and casino royale um and those stakes were really high and this shows us exactly exactly why so i just i can't say enough great things about skyfall even though my first viewing i was totally wrong on that movie after seeing it on the big screen several times i was i was like oh i really screwed that up (laughs) and and now it's one of my it's one of my absolute favorites
0: yeah i mean you you've pretty much hit every nail on the head i mean this is to me this is the quintessential bond movie this is everything you want from that character it's deep it's new ones it's layered um they actually allow human emotion to come into play um you mentioned like the edible relationship between javier bardem and judy dench um yeah, you know, he he frequently refers to her as mommy. You know, mommy was bad. Mommy used to say, "I'm sorry," because um, you know she was his handler when he you know oh, got me. captured, and, and she you know she had to make the decision to leave him for dead because she thought he was. And but they, again, that's a grudge he holds against her, and kind of the whole reason for his you know wanting to go after Mi6 and eventually try to take her out. So, I mean, yeah, you you get that emotion you're not normally used to seeing, in... You know, an action adventure spy film, but yeah, it's beautifully shot, masterfully directed. Um, you know, travel all over the world from you know you mentioned Istanbul to uh, Macau uh, to the actual Skyfall, the actual Skyfall ranch at the end, uh, which to this day is one of my favorite all-time you know shootout scenes. And almost any movie, except maybe uh, there was a one at Sundance this year called Slow West, which had an excellent uh, shootout scene at the very end, but. Yeah, there's, there's just nothing wrong with this movie. <clears throat> it's, uh, it's one I have to watch at least every couple of months. Um, one that I was... It was one of the first... Actually, that might have been the first James Bond movie I ever saw. In in no, I saw about it. No. It was the first one I'd seen in theaters in about 10 years. Because I didn't see Quantum of Solace or uh, uh, Casino Royale in theaters. I saw it on Blu-ray. Yeah. So that was really cool to have that that huge... I think it was even IMAX, too. That huge just presence of what's
1: happening on the screen. That was the way to see it is I saw it in a regular theater and then I went and saw it again in IMAX and it was like, wow, they really use this. On top of all of that, and one of the things that I think they, that really defines a Bond movie is the theme song. And Adele's Skyfall is just hands down one of the best Bond songs. It It is a Great song, great singer, and there there's a lot of garbage in the um, Bond song uh, catalog. So oh, yeah, like uh, you, you
0: know most most Bond songs only exist. You know you almost you almost want to fast forward to the credits to get to the movie. Uh, Skyfall is one you can put on the radio, and everyone I think they did actually put on the radio, and everyone loved but, it.
1: Yeah, which and here's the thing, I think that Sam Smith's writing on the wall. Is so boring. And oh yeah, that
0: was that, that was the worst part of the movie. <laughs> I
1: just, that, that opening sequence was cool looking. It was very reminiscent of an old school Bond opening, um, but that song is just boring. It, it's it's like they took Thunderball and kicked Tom Jones in the nads and then lowered down twenty five percent, and it's just like what the
0: <sighs> yeah, actually, um, the Skyfall hit uh, number eight on the Billboard Top Charts back when it came out. So yeah, that was that was definitely getting some uh, some radio play. I don't I don't think we'll be hearing Sam Smith anytime soon.
1: Uh, I I don't know. Those twelve year old girls really really love uh, the Sam Smith. Twelve
0: so. year old boys too. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> you go. Uh, But yeah, that ranks right up there with uh, in with Goldfinger and. Um, you Know My Love for the Beatles, so Live and Let Die uh, as like great, fond theme songs. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So
0: there you go. So, um, you know, Peanuts, overall pretty good. Skyfall, um, I liked it a little bit less than Andy did. Uh, but uh, definitely if you haven't checked them out, go see Skyfall if for some reason you haven't. Um, and revisit Goldeneye because it's a lot of fun. And we think you'll enjoy it just as much as we did. So,
1: And after you've seen... After you've seen Spectre, if you go see Spectre, do yourself a favor. Everyone forgets about On Her Majesty's Secret Service because it's the only movie with George Lazenby. Go back and watch it. Like Skype me in, and I will do that about why this film is so brilliant. And then uh, we'll talk about it afterwards.
0: So there you go. Yeah, and you invited you to Skype with him. So. All right, that'll bring us to the end for this week. Um, Next week, we've got three films. We've got uh, Love the Coopers, My All-American, and The 33. So check back then, and we'll fill you in on what those are like. Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon.